0: Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route.
1: Well, The Sunday after Christmas is always known as low Sunday, as is the Sunday after Easter. And whether or not that is because of low attendance, or because people tend to be feeling a bit low, or because the week before was so great, is hidden in the mists of time. But I think this Sunday does give us a chance to reflect on... What we've been through and what we have to come. In England, you shouldn't say in England and go off and do lots of stories about England, but I'm going to today, so it doesn't really matter. But in England, uh, we don't funny enough, we don't have Thanksgiving. And so the build up to Christmas is relentless and starts after Bonfire Night on November the 5th. Now, do you all know what Bonfire Night is? Bonfire night, I mean, it's such a strange thing. It's the anniversary of the date when Guy Fawkes and his uh, band of followers failed to blow up the Houses of Parliament on November the 5th. He failed to do that. And uh, all sorts of torch. You can, you can watch the whole story on HBO right now. There's a, there's a new thing on HBO. But after that, uh, what happened was that they every year on November the 5th in England, you build a huge bonfire... And you have a guy, and the children in the old days used to have the guy, which the guy was a sort of, a, a sort of person made out of old socks and uh, a jersey and a pair of trousers and a head. And the, the little children used to sit around in the road going, penny for the guy, penny for the guy, and you used to actually get money for it. And then it's so macabre that what happens is you have this huge bonfire and the guy is put at the top of the bonfire. And you burn the bonfire and the guy gets burnt. All the kids are going, yeah, you know, this <laughs> bloke being burnt at the top. And then they set up, like, like a July the 4th, they set off fireworks, they have a huge firework display afterwards. That, that's a big thing on November 5th. And, of course, after that, we haven't got Thanksgiving that we have here. So there's nothing after that. And so straight away in the shops, you get Christmas music, you get, you know, the trees begin to appear. And, you know, the, the, the build-up is totally relentless. It's quite a relief to be in America. Because it, they build it up and they build it up and, you know, you see more and more. And, you know, at Christmas, you know you have the special Super Bowl ads here? Well, they have special Christmas ads and people look at the special, you know, the Christmas ads from chain stores and department stores. It's that big. And it builds up to this sort of orgy of presents everywhere and stuff and and the excitement on christmas eve and then santa and then christmas day everybody eats their meal and watches the queen that's another thing we do if you come to us on christmas day you'll be forced to watch the queen afterwards it's only 10 minutes so but after that everybody looks at each other and says well what now You know, what do we do now? You know, we've had this whole month and a half build-up, you know, and there's there's this sort of awful, you know, you know sort of nothing there. And, of course, the the, the advertisers know that. And you wouldn't be, but straight away on Boxing Day, which is the day after... Do you know what Boxing... I'm giving you all the English in Boxing Day is a holiday in England. It's the day after Christmas Day, and it's called Boxing Day. Typical England, this is. Because all the aristocratic families used to have their big meal at Christmas, and all the servants used to have to come and serve them on Christmas Day. And then the next day, all the servants would come up to the house and receive their boxes of the leftovers from the table that they will get given. So that's now Boxing Day. Boxing Day is is a holiday. And straight away on Boxing Day, on the television, we have adverts for the summer holidays. So immediately it's like, have your summer holiday in Greece, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's an extraordinary thing that sort of goes up over a a long period of time. It's a huge build-up. It's not quite so bad here because, first of all, you've got sort of Thanksgiving in the middle. And then it's really happy holidays a lot of the time because you've got you know, it's more of a spread. But you still have Advent Sunday, and then all the preparations and lessons and carols, Christmas Eve, Santa, and then the light appears, and then what then? Well actually, Christmas isn't really over yet, as you can see from here. The twelve days of Christmas end on January the fifth. You know, the three kings are still sort of on their way ish, and we have epiphany to deal with. You know, for some people, Christmas never ends. There's a chap in England, this is true, there's a chap in England who celebrates Christmas every day of the year and has done for the past 14 years with a full roast dinner, champagne and presents. His name is Andy Park and he's known as Mr Christmas. And he's munched his way through 117,600 Brussels sprouts. He's quaffed 5,110 bottles of moe and sent himself more than 2,230,000 Christmas cards since he began this sort of onslaught. Divorced Mr. Park... (laughs) divorced, Mr. Park. Said, I've been through 37 electric ovens and worn out 23 video recorders by watching the Queen's speech every day. I've also sent myself uh, 200,000 Christmas cards. But, he says, the economic crisis is getting to me big time. And I may have to cut out the champagne and, and start singing for my Christmas dinner. The lunch with all its trimmings and alcohol... Is costing in excess of £150 a week, but I'm fighting hard not to let the financial crisis ruin the celebrations. So I wouldn't recommend that. But you know, Christmas—you know—does have a lesson in there for us somewhere. I don't know if you've seen those bumper stickers. You know, a dog is not for life; is for life, not just for Christmas. It's meant for people who give dogs for Christmas. And then, you know, loads of people give their children puppies, and they get sort of like thrown out of the house after about a month or so. So you've got a dog is for life, not for Christmas. And in the same way, I think I have to say that Christmas is not just for Christmas. I, you know, there's a lovely story in my last, my first vicar uh, in my first church, where am I, Heather? Um, he tells a lovely story about how on, on we, we have midnight mass. I know you have it here, but we have midnight mass on uh, at, at Christmas. Um, and after the service, th- there's always a line of people saying goodbye to the vicar. And there's this bloke in the line who was absolutely in floods of tears. And he came to the, bloke, he came to the vicar, and he was shaking hands. He said, oh, I've never heard anything quite so moving in all my life. He said, oh, it was just so wonderful. Anyway, see you next year, he said. <laughs> And that sort of really sums up, you know, the whole Christmas thing. It's sort of for that moment. And then, you know, we just tend to allow the specialists to appear over that particular period with the idea of the light coming into the world and banishing the darkness. We have the specialists of the Christmas Eve services. And then we sort of let everything flop as we arrive at low Sunday, thinking, how am I going to lose weight? And is my gym membership still up to date? Whereas, in reality, the Christmas message is something that we really need to keep all the year round, especially when things begin to get dark in the first weeks of the new year. You know, the Christmas message of the incarnation, the enfleshment of the Spirit, is something we need to keep with us always. You know, we are the clay vessels that keep the Spirit alight within us, and if we forget that, then then the light tends to go out. It's up to us to keep the flame alive, even when we don't feel it. And it's appropriate that we have, I think, Christmas once a year, because it collectively reminds us that there is glad tidings of great joy in the world. But it's not just for Christmas. You know, we are forever journeying like those three wise men, following the star that really is the still small voice that's within us and making our way to see the Christ child, however he or she is revealed to us. You know, we might talk more about that when we reach Epiphany and the arrival of the three wise men, but it's important for now not to throw out the baby with the Christmas decorations. You know, we have to nurture that light once we've made contact with it and have to grow that light into a burning bush before which we can take off our shoes because we're now on holy ground. We have to cultivate that sense of holiness. And that's really the only way to live, to realise that actually we're always on holy ground, that the light is always within us and that we have a responsibility to nourish it. So as we go into the new year... This is really a perfect time to take whatever you've received at Christmas and recommit yourself to the idea of practice. It helps to have some form of practice for any of this stuff to have any meaning. You know, whether it's a meditation practice or just a quiet time or whatever it is. I always think, you know... People talk about the spiritual life. It's a bit like a sailing ship out at sea. You know, they they talk about the spiritual life. Well, I'm not actually getting anywhere. And uh, you know, like a sailing ship that says, "So I'm not actually getting anywhere." And someone said, "Well, if you put the sails up, then the wind can come and take you somewhere." And without the sails up, you just bob around in the sea. And similarly, without a practice of some sort, you're just bobbing around. It's the practice that really enables you to, to listen for that, to practice that presence, to practice developing that light. And New Year's a good time to actually recommit yourselves, recommit ourselves to, to that whatever practice we've got. If we haven't got one, to take one up. Our spiritual practice is really that which enables that divine to enrich our lives. Any activity can take the form of spiritual practice, so long as you've decided that you're going to use it for that purpose. It could be meditation, or a bit of chanting, or prayer, a bit of dance, or you may want to wait till your partner goes out before you start dancing around the room, but it could be dance. It could be actually anything. And in those cases, you know, we're deliberately saying, I'm setting this time aside. I'm setting this time aside to enable that essence of life to come in and to come through me more powerfully. And you go about your practice. You know, whatever we take on, chances are we can get disenchanted by it. You know, as you come to the end of the year and Christmas comes along and you drop your practice a bit, you think, oh, can I be bothered? You know, we think we're not getting anywhere and that it's not working. But we don't, you know, really have the capacity to judge what's working and what's not working. All we can do is continue the journey and trust that we're being led in the right direction. Don't judge it. Don't judge what's happening, because you don't know. You know, we we change as people like mountains. You know, it takes ages for that change to take place. And so we begin to see the point of the spiritual journey is not the arrival. It's the journey itself. It is the moment-by-moment journey that we go on. You know, we're not waiting for something to happen. The truth is that there's nowhere to go. No other experience to have. The journey is always here. Our life is that journey. And in the end, we don't arrive anywhere. If you make your own way, you have to decide where you're going, what you hope it's going to be like when you arrive, and you have to plot your course for getting there. And the problem is you end up believing your life's not really going to begin until you've got to the place where you want to get to. It only begins when you get to that point. And the beauty of the spiritual journey is that the journey is all. To be on the journey is all that we can hope for, really. It brings its own rewards, and you can never predict what they're going to be. You don't hold out for a time when you're going to be enlightened. You know, actually, that you already have everything in this particular moment, and you just have to let it unfold in front of you realising, this is the tough bit, realising that it's never going to get any better than it is right now. Now, if you get that, you're home and dry. If you accept that that which you have right now is all of it, so you might as well enjoy it while you've got it, then you'll always be rich. You know, I've always said this before, but the reward for sitting in silence is sitting in silence. The reward for mindfulness is mindfulness. The reward for knowing that divine nature is that divine nature. It's as simple as that. You know, it's never going to be any better. It's going to be different. And you're going to judge it in a different way. You're going to say, oh, this feels better, this feels worse, but it's not better or worse. That's just what you think about it. In reality, it's always going to be what it is. You know, so take a while just to consider... You know, what form of spiritual practice you might want to take up or develop this year. And then consider what you might like to take on in the future. And in such a way, you can structure the way you undertake your journey. You know, we're born naked and with nothing, and we die naked and with nothing. And that, all there is in between is the journey. You either take that journey in cooperation with life or you try to make your own way. And that's how we take the message of Christmas and have it inform us every day. That's how we keep that flame alive. Through practice, that's how we continually live on holy ground. So I just encourage you, you know, when you've gone from here, just consider, you know, what's going to work for you as a practice. How are you going to develop that? How are you going to practice just accepting what you have and just watching the way that you think about that? Okay. Let's pray. As we come towards the end of this year, Lord, we just pray for our town. Pray for all the visitors that are here now. Pray for safety on the slopes. Pray for ski patrol, and all those working the lifts. Pray for those working in the bars and restaurants. Pray for safety in the road as people travel home. Pray for our country, all the difficulties there, all the anger and resentment that people have. We do pray for peace and goodwill to all men. We pray for love and wisdom in the hearts of our leaders. And we pray for love and wisdom in the hearts of leaders all around the world. We pray for a sense of rightness and justice in 2018. Pray for a sense of consciousness, of peace. Pray our world may move towards a greater unity together. Pray for your blessing upon us as we go into this next period. Also, we particularly mention those who we know in our community are not well. We particularly think of Abbot Joe out at the monastery. Think of Patricia Nichols, Patricia Hill, Royal Edwin, Will Welsh, Barbara Orkut, Tegan Sullivan, Mary Kate Brewster, Soleil, Lee Bouguet, Particularly think of Elise Strickland now, Dee Dee's daughter, who's gone into hospice care. Ask your blessing upon that family. Pray for Betty Van for Gary Daniel, Irene Goodbrood, and Bill Archer. Also pray for Patricia Overton, who's having tests. Lord, we pray your healing power into these people's lives and maybe into those people that we mention quietly in our hearts now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.